0: Welcome, it is uh, 8.08 right now. Glad to have you with us, glad to be with you. Uh, we've got uh, Jordan and Kelsey in from Powderhorns, Guns, and Ammo, uh, and, and Archery. and archery.
1: <laughs> That seemed wait, deliberate.
0: Wait a minute, strike one. <laughs> hey, look, things happen. Usually at the worst time, strings pop, sights pin, sight pins fall out, bows lose their tuning. But if you bought your bow from Powderhorn, Guns, and Archery, and it fails. They'll give you
2: one to use while they fix your old one. Is that right? Do you really? And that is true. We've got a couple extra ones, you know. They don't have to get used very often because we're we're usually able to fix most things pretty quick. But uh, yeah, we've always got a couple loners because man, there's nothing worse when it happens on day before opening day or or <laughs> the first week, and you've got a you got a week off to go go hunting. There's nothing worse than that. So we try to keep a couple loner bows that won't be as nice as yours, but we can get them uh, we can get them set up and tuned to you and uh, get you out the door with it pretty quick. See, that's
0: just one of the many things they do at powder, powder Horn Guns and Archery. I'm having a hard time this morning. You noticing that? The words are not coming out. More coffee. Uh, more coffee. Yeah, you know what? Here, let me t- here, look at this. This is a mug the size of Iowa. Mmm. <laughs> okay. I'm ready to rock and roll here. Uh, we see all these gun studies uh, that uh, purport to, su- to uh, support the, uh, the idea that you can, through gun legislation, reduce violent crime. And Reason Magazine uh, has written a big piece about these because apparently RAND, uh, the RAND Corporation, has done an analysis. It was a 2020 analysis by RAND. They, by the way, are a nonprofit research organization. And they looked at the results from 27,900 research publications on the effectiveness of gun control laws. From that vast body of work, according to Reason Magazine, they found 123 studies, or four-tenths of one percent, that tested the effects rigorously. Some other uh, 27,700 plus uh, may have been useful for non-empirical discussions, but they were deeply flawed. So imagine all of these studies we keep hearing about gun control and how it works and Magazine limits, and uh, 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 they call them assault rifles. We know them just as semi-automatic rifles. Uh, Nearly 30,000 of them, and just a handful that are even fairly useful. I went through this whole article, and there was a part in here, Jordan, that really got my attention. Because I keep hearing this, this study... Uh, From years ago, it keeps getting thrown up. How many times have you heard this? Uh, About whether owning a gun makes you more or less safe. Do you remember hearing that study? Oh, sure. Oh, sure. One widely influential study constantly resurfaced from the New England Journal of Medicine back in 1993. Concluded that rather than confer protection, guns kept in the home are associated with an increase in the risk of homicides by a family member or intimate acquaintance. I have heard this thrown at us for decades. Well, it turns out there are some problems with the study. First of all, the researchers concluded keeping a gun in the home increases the risk of being killed, but nearly half of the murders they included in their analysis weren't committed with a firearm. And among Gun owners who were killed with a gun, the authors didn't establish whether the weapon used was the victim's own gun or if it belonged to someone else. The study is absolutely useless. But these are the studies that the anti-gun people seem to rely on so heavily. And study after study after study is flawed. They looked at at, uh, Boyd... (laughs) tons of the, Cory Booker, when he was running for president in 2016, Kelsey, he made this astounding claim that a permit requirement for handgun purchases in Connecticut reduced their gun murder rate by 40%. Wow. That's amazing, isn't it?
2: That, that is amazing. That's a, a huge drop.
1: A great example of that would have been Chicago, where handguns were completely illegal to own until five or six years ago.
0: Yeah, no, no. no you can't You can't can't throw facts at these people. Uh, They write, it's true the state's gun murder rate fell rapidly after the law was passed in 1995, but so did gun murder rates throughout the whole country. The study's 40% claim is the actual murder rate in Connecticut compared to something the researchers call synthetic Connecticut, which they constructed for the purposes of their study. A combination of mostly Rhode Island... But also Maryland, California, Nevada, and New Hampshire. I mean, California, you couldn't get further away from Connecticut than California, could you? It's
1: Connecticut adjacent. Yeah. that's <laughs> <laughs> Similar but different.
0: Yeah. They aren't making roadmaps, I guarantee you. Uh, as it turns out, the author's entire claimed effect, the 40% reduction, was due to the fact that Rhode Island experienced a temporary spate of about 20 extra murders between 99 and 03. And synthetic Connecticut was more than 72% Rhode Island. So even compared to synthetic Connecticut, the decline the offers that they said they found didn't last. Uh, By 2006, the gun murder rate in real Connecticut surpassed synthetic Connecticut and continued to increase to a point where it was 46% higher. I mean, these studies are all Bravo Sierra. (laughs) And they keep shoving them down our throats the story is that Reason Magazine if you uh, care to search for it no, uh, it says uh, do, do studies show gun control works and the answer no but they keep going after you guys it's it's, uh, it's it's just amazing how they just don't care about truth Reason Magazine also had a second piece and I want to talk about that briefly in the next segment of the program uh, so hang on, it's a question about rights and privileges. So if you're uh, just tuning in, Powderhorn Guns and Archery on board with us this morning, on am Gary Ungum. Good morning. It is eight twenty, and uh, it is uh, Powderhorn Guns and Archery. We got the Beauty and the Beast in here this morning.
2: Uh, that's uh, I Kelsey am quite and beautiful. Jordan. Thank you. Huh. I said I am quite beautiful. Thank you.
1: He's radiant this morning. <laughs> yeah,
2: I, uh, didn't you? Didn't you just win the uh, world's most beautiful
0: legs contest last week? <laughs> that's, that's a fact, sir. Yeah, that is I, a fact. <laughs> I want people to know. <laughs> oh boy, uh, that went south for me. Okay, let me move on uh, because uh, Reason Magazine had a second piece, and a, a, kind of a, a sit back and and really think about this. The idea of getting a gun permit is just. It's, it's wrong on every level. Uh, handgun carry permits transform a right into a privilege. The argument for loosening restrictions on armed self-defense goes beyond measurable impact on public safety. As of last week, 24 states have decided, and I think now it's uh, 25, I think we just, uh, 25 or 26, the numbers are, they're falling like dominoes. have decided to let law-abiding adults carry handguns in public without a license. Uh, we call it constitutional carry. It's permitless carry. I, I'm not sure uh, if it's that big a difference. But anyway, uh, critics say that it is self-evidently reckless. I talked to John Lott about this on uh, the national show. And he did a kind of a deep dive study on on uh, states that have permitless carry. And it's because it's a nascent uh, uh, movement there's not a lot of data. But you always hear the same things, Jordan. People are going to be dying in the streets. Every time you turn around, somebody will be getting shot. You'll be swimming through blood. It'll be such a bloodbath. Apparently, it doesn't happen.
2: I don't think we've seen that much in Missouri since we've had this for quite a while now.
0: I don't, you know, I don't find any discernible difference at all. Uh,
2: not that I've seen or heard. No, no you, you. I feel like when you have a little bit of time with uh, more, more people carrying guns, that's that's the that's the statistic you're looking for, right? Is more people carrying guns. Right. I think you end up with a few more accidents that some of these people skew the studies with. Um, the guys that are not had enough training, not paying attention, end up accidentally doing something usually to themselves or their car. Um, so you hear about a <laughs> few more car. of those, but it's just someone laps in judgment while handling a firearm and. You just you can't, but you know that's one of those things people get used to it. So I think, but you could see how we we're talking about those studies earlier. How all of a sudden you take statistics like that and you use something like that when someone's reholstering and has their their finger through the trigger guard and shoots themselves in the leg, and oh well, that's see, that's that's because you allowed people to carry guns. And you're like, oh goodness gracious, but lies, yeah. damn lies, and statistics. <laughs> exactly, it, statistics will say anything you want them to say they'll they'll fit your agenda these same set of statistics will fit your agenda no matter what you're trying to prove and any statistics professor will will back that up that's just that's that's what they're for And the irony of this Kelsey
0: is the bad guys they carry anyway they've been carrying right and so this doesn't really change much but uh, John Lot looked at all the data that he could find and it just it doesn't seem to be true. Uh, but, of course, the big question is, should we eliminate uh, concealed carry permits altogether? So I'll start with uh, Kelsey. I don't, should we eliminate them?
1: <clears throat> I don't think so. I think there needs to be a nation nationwide reciprocity. If my driver's license works in all 50 states, why shouldn't my concealed carry permit?
0: Uh, Jordan, what do you think?
2: Oh, Why do you have to put me on the spot like that? Well,
0: because I put Kelsey on the spot. And- <laughs> Figure what's good for the gander is good for the goose.
2: I don't think you whatever. should need something for concealed carry uh, nationwide. No, I think that is a right to carry a firearm. How you carry it, in fact, concealed carry causes way less problems than open carry. It makes people less nervous. You know, we require it in our stores that if you are going to have a firearm, it needs to be concealed, so that that's not a focus of whatever's going on in the world. But uh, no, I, I think that should be allowed. I know we we would like to have training and require things like that cuz you know some people are not good, some people are really good, but uh overall I think you yeah, you should you should be able to do it. All right, let's beat up on Kelsey. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, and it's it's just no, it goes back point. to the training thing and it goes back to yep. you know, if I've had training, then states like Illinois and Colorado and some of those states that don't honor everybody's should honor it cuz I've had the same amount of training as their requirement, quote unquote. But, like, the permitless carry, I think it's a great option.
0: Yeah, I don't think it should be an option. I think it should be mandatory. I think the Constitution gives me the right. This is one of the... This is part of the Bill of Rights. I don't need to get permission from the government to practice my religion. I don't need to get a permit to practice freedom of speech. The government shouldn't at any level be able to tell me I have to get a permit to defend and protect myself by carrying a gun.
2: All right. Uh, your Thanks. turn. <laughs> I I think I, I see both of them because I wish everybody would get the, uh, the training. Oh, absolutely. But if we believe as a society that the training is very important, but you can't have training for a right, just like you made a point of. That's not something you do. Everybody points to a driver's license. Well, driving is not a right. It's a privilege. And... uh I, if if you think everybody needs to be trained, like I think most of us do, like yes, do it. But man, they need training. Then we need to provide free training um, that is that is supported by our government, so that uh, everybody can go to the class. Not mandated, but have it free, so that everybody can attend it. It costs no money, and uh, and try to get them through. Who I get to beat up on you? <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> uh, yeah,
0: I don't think that the government should be. Uh, mm. Obligate. I don't think because it's not the government; it's it's taxpayers. Yes, uh, and those people who aren't carrying a firearm shouldn't be paying for people who want to. Uh, these classes are not all that unaffordable, uh, and and I like the idea of the classes. Uh, you know, the the I think the point that Kelsey is trying to make is that it, that make making them take a class uh, it helps to increase the likelihood that we'll be safe around them, and I agree with that. I don't agree with the motivation being, you know, mandatory. But I do think that it should be up to us to train constantly. Now, you guys both have concealed carry permits, uh, and you both conceal carry, and so do I. And, uh, you know, you go out and practice on a regular basis. Nobody's forcing you to. The government didn't mandate it. It's not necessary to keep your permit but you do it on your own because you realize that this you know things could potentially go south very quickly uh if you're not constantly training it it, it should be up to other individuals just like it's up to you
2: yes i go i guess i guess i'll agree with you today <laughs>
0: Oh, that's good. That'll on that save
2: me. on that one thing. That'll. Save me. <laughs> <laughs> How about we have donation jars at the trainings when we get? You know, them so that, the, so the people that can't know, afford I'll, it. I'll tell you. I'll tell you the
0: way. i tell you the way to go. <laughs> would be if handgun manufacturers, when they sell a uh, a, a gun, um, you know, offer up uh, a class. It, it wouldn't cost much more <laughs> per <laughs> firearm. Because you'd be spreading it out, you wouldn't be having individual classes, you'd have groups, uh, and it would uh, it would benefit them. You know, when you Crazy. buy some sports cars, you go out and buy a Porsche, they'll tell you, uh, we'll, we're going to have uh, uh, training classes for high-speed driving. And it's it, it, they'll throw it in. If you buy a Jeep, uh, they, it, they, they will have a place where you can go to train to rock crawl and, and do all that stuff. Gun manufacturers could do that too, and then you wouldn't be relying on taxpayers. <laughs> but All right. go ahead. Uh, well, I got a message here. Uh, he says, "Hi, guys. I signed my 11 year-old daughter up for the April 9th program at Green Valley. I'm thinking about getting her at 22. Any suggestions? Uh, this is a...
1: <laughs> Lots. Um-
2: <laughs> well, and I think we've talked about this a little bit on the show, and I'll let Kessie go in a second, but so many of the manufacturers now have created what would be their, their flagship full-size firearm, and they've created a twenty two that is the same dimension, fits in the same holsters and stuff like that. So any of those would kind of be my recommendation if you're if that's the way you're going uh with wanting to to train them to to have a full-size firearm at some point but kelsey might have other recommendations
1: well and i would also push strongly towards a 22 rifle and a pistol um just to get the basics down for both but usually especially with kids if they haven't had a lot of exposure to firearms it's better to start them on a long gun than it is on a handgun because the handgun handguns are infinitely harder to shoot they're a lot less accurate um we run into reliability issues on the 22 handguns that's just yep. part of it um but it also reduces noise recoil all that kind of stuff but no um we have lots of really good options today in rim fires believe it or not um both on the rifle and handgun side
0: well green valley rifle and pistol club is having their youth shooting sports foundation uh youth shooting camp uh and you can go to sign dot well you know what, just go to Gary on Guns at Facebook <laughs> and scroll down until you see the uh, the link. Uh, but it is going to be uh, April 9th, it's a Saturday at Green Valley, which is one of my favorite places to shoot. Starts at 9 a.m. Uh, and uh, they've got uh, several slots there and you can participate. They've got uh, range uh, experts there that will help uh, protect your kids and train them and I mean, it's just a great, great opportunity uh, to get these kids invested in uh, in shooting. All right, uh, it is Powderhorn... Uh, Powderhorn <coughs> powder Guns... What is the matter here? <coughs> Powderhorn Guns and Archery on Gary on Guns. Hey, welcome. It's uh, 35 minutes after the hour, and Powderhorn Guns and Archery on board with us this morning. Kelsey and Jordan are with us. I didn't know that you guys... Have classes and workshops on game retrieval
2: and processing.
1: Um,
2: yes, we are going to have those. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things, just like everything happened, we had all the stuff set up, we had all the plans, and then the world collapsed. And, uh, it's hard to get people to come back to work again. But, uh, yeah, our plan is actually to have those again this fall as we get into the big game season. So you're looking, June, probably August, start most of that stuff, and we should have one or two on, on, uh, on like uh, big grain retrieval like elk, um, sheep, mule deer, stuff like that, especially when you're in the mountains, just recommendations. It's just people that have done it for 30 or 40 or 50 years, kind of what they've learned over the time and and what kind of gear you should take and expectations and things like that.
0: Well, um, speaking of uh, things kind of falling apart and the whole China flu thing, I've already got the first The first email has come in through GaryNolan.com, and you know what they want to know, Kelsey.
1: We have no ammo. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) folks. I'm joking. Um, We're starting to see, randomly enough, hunting ammo, (laughs) the rifle ammo. Um, It's great timing. April's perfect to get deer ammo, but um, (laughs) I'll take it. But we've had thirty thirty come in two seventy. I have some four sixty coming. I have some four fifty four Casul coming. Um, thirty carbine, because why not? But <laughs> it, why not? Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, generally speaking, your standard handgun cartridges, other than thirty eight special and three, excuse me, three fifty seven magnum, um, we have plenty of.
2: Yeah, your semi auto stuff is getting a lot better you know some of the 25s and 32s are still a little scarce because there's not as many people shooting those but most of your auto loader cartridges were getting better on the hand or the the revolver stuff is still a little bit tougher to get yeah well
0: there you go <laughs> don't send me any more we've we've nailed that out in the first uh first segment mark says uh let's see good morning you regularly reference your national broadcast when is it on locally it's not on locally Uh, And it won't be on uh, anywhere where uh, any of my uh, uh, Zimmer uh, stations are at, Uh, but you can go to uh, Talk Media Network, and I think they've got a link there where you can hear a podcast. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Someone tried to murder me, and I had to kill them. I know I'm required to call the cops, but I know I could be arrested, sued, even lose my right to carry if I were dumb enough not to call the cops. And was later arrested. Could I be charged with murder? What?
2: Was that what? written by a cat? That kind of sounds like something a cat would do. Uh, yeah. So, wait. <laughs> uh, did you throw out that cat thing on purpose? <laughs> I don't know what you mean, sir. Uh-huh. <laughs> that yeah, that just, was to help you out, because you murder people. You better just keep people. moving
0: here, because, uh, you know, sitting still, I'm going uh, to... You're easier to get. <laughs> if someone tried to murder me and I had to kill them...
1: Yes, call and the cops. And I
0: didn't call the cops and i they later I guess found Thanks. out, could I be charged with murder? You uh, could yeah. always be charged with murder,
2: about fifteen other things too, yeah, yeah. it's <laughs> always the before. cover up it's Man, you get in so much less trouble when you just 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 <laughs> admit the stuff. It's the it's the fourteen things you do illegal after you try to hide it that, that really causes you a lot of yeah. problems. If you if you just didn't leave them
0: sitting in the living room, <laughs> I mean that's just not that's a, that's actually poor taste. Uh, <laughs> you, you whack somebody, you call the cops right away. True story. Maybe
2: speak to your lawyer first. <clears throat> call the cops.
0: Yeah, a <laughs> seventy-four-year-old uh, man, a homeowner uh, in Akron, Ohio. Apparently shot a teenager that broke into his home. Uh, the man uh, known to everyone as Lurch. Isn't that John Kerry's nickname? I'm just That's uh, from the Adams family, I think. <laughs> I, I thought it was John Kerry. <laughs> anyway, 74-year-old Akron man known to everyone as Lurch was half asleep watching television the morning after his birthday. When he said an intruder knocked all the glass out of his front door and broke in. So I didn't actually see him come in. But I did when I hit the corner. But it took me a second to get my blanket. Blanket? Uh, Lert said he stepped into the hall, saw a figure opening his basement door, and fired. And he rolled uh, on the steps and started moving that way. I shot him again, and he lived. Police said the investigation is ongoing. If you shoot somebody, and they cease to come after you, can you shoot them again?
2: There's not, a, there's not a yes or no to that as a blanket policy. It depends on your articulation of what you've got going on and how, I mean, are, how, how do I know if they are dead or if they're in shock for a second or they're just taking three seconds to regroup? Um, do I have other people in the house to protect besides myself? Uh, what happens if they get a hold of me and I go down? Can they now get my children and my wife? Um, do they have, do I see them with a a weapon that's readily available that I can't get away from them? And then if they do come back in that one to two to three seconds after the initial shock of maybe getting hit in the arm or somewhere else. Yeah, there, there's no blanket to that. It's going to 100% be on your articulation of the, the incident at hand and what else you were thinking of at the time. Yeah, if if they're actually running away. Yeah, that's a hard one. <laughs> yeah, well, it depends. I'm not that good if of a report writer, but you never know.
0: If they if they uh, are going for cover to shoot back at you, yeah. y- you can shoot. Uh, the the point of all this is the the training that you get uh, really uh, it, it it could save your life and keep you out of jail. Yeah. Uh, and and you've got to be able to decide, and you have to know the law. Uh, you know, do I shoot or don't I? Do I have the right to shoot or don't I? Law enforcement would always have the right to shoot, if you, even if the guy was running away. Uh, if they've identified themselves as law enforcement, they've shot at the guy and he keeps running away, is it because he wants to go kill someone else? He's already a threat? I think law enforcement have the right. As a citizen, you got to take a lot of things into consideration.
2: Yeah, yeah. you have to think about all that stuff, and it happens so fast. That's why you have to think about all the well before it happens. And process yeah. all those possibilities through your head, so it's a, a quicker OODA loop, and you can really make your decision quicker. A quicker what? OODA the OODA loop. OODA loop. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> observe, orient, decide, act. Every decision you make goes through four steps: observe, orient, decide, act. You got to observe what's going on. You got to orient your mind to what you just saw. You got to decide what you're going to do, and then you got to uh, act on what you. Uh, decided. Okay, I thought they were characters from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory but...
1: <laughs> Not to be confused with an oompa loompa.
0: <laughs> oh, how did I take us down? I downwards? see where it is. <laughs> I don't know how I did this, but I took us down the wrong road.
1: Mm. <sighs> same, did, same.
0: Did you guys hear about this uh, this trigger thing that the uh, BATF is going after? We we talked about uh, it last week. Yep.
1: Force reset triggers.
0: Yep. Yeah. Um, and And for those of you who aren't familiar with them, uh, it's just uh, the way the trigger in the in the firearm are designed. Uh, when you fire the trigger, it forces when you fire the gun. The trigger is forced out, and you you just keep pulling back. It's not fully automatic, um, but it and it mechanically resets. Right? I mean,
2: there's no. Yeah, so what it, uh, I've never shot one, so I can't tell you what it feels like in my hand. I don't even think I've ever seen one or anybody ask about one around here. But the, the theory being that, yeah, you just pull backwards and it, uh, it pushes the trigger out automatically through a different mechanism inside. And since you keep pressure back on the trigger so your finger position never changes, it'll just keep firing.
1: But you can't hold the trigger tight or Correct. else it won't work. Yeah. It, yeah. It's similar to like a bump stock. Um, you have to limp wrist it. To make it work properly. Yeah, if that makes just, sense. Yeah, you, a...
0: you, you, If you pull the trigger and hold it tightly. Yeah. It just fires one round. Correct. And it stops. You've got to be holding the trigger loosely enough. That it can kick the trigger out. So that you can bring it back in. And shoot a second round. Which is essentially what you do anyway. Isn't it?
2: I mean, kind of. yeah. It, it's another one of those things. Like a bump stock. It's too gimmicky to me. It's I, I have something in a firearm. I want it to be 100% that proven i don't want to have to hold a trigger a certain amount for anything to work i'm going to mash that thing and just have it do exactly what i want to do every time but the atf ruled that you can hold your finger in one position and never move your finger again and fire till the magazine is empty now i've never fired one i don't know so i can't speak to it but i mean that would that would match what they're saying their machine gun qualification um if if you never have to move your finger and all of the rounds in the firearm can be uh, expelled. Yeah, I don't like the gimmicks either. I yeah. never had a bump stock. I
0: yeah. don't have any burning desire to get one, but uh, it's just <laughs> amazing how the ATF is rewriting.
1: <laughs> That's good because you can't now.
0: <laughs> well, didn't, didn't the court, uh, didn't gun owners of America prevail in their court challenge?
1: Uh, as far as I know, bump stocks are still illegal. Really? I, Yeah.
2: <laughs> just don't bring one in the shop, please. No, no, I don't even have one. <laughs>
1: that's it's. That's all I'm saying. And there yeah. wasn't
2: that many, anyway. No. They might have gotten been getting more popular, but I think we had two within the entire range of our companies. Of you know, got they're four just or five thousand arms. We we only had two that were that way. Yeah, they're just
0: not. Uh, they're not a very effective way to shoot. No. Uh, no. If if uh, hitting the target is the all important goal, <laughs> then. Shooting uh, with a bump stock doesn't really improve that. Uh, Missouri is set to hammer banks who cut off the gun industry. Interesting story. We'll kind of kick that around next with Powderhorn Guns and Archery. And then in about 15 minutes at 9.05, my favorite part of Gary on Guns. It's 851. Glad to have you with us. Uh, Kelsey and Jordan are with us uh, from Powderhorn Guns and Archery. We're talking about the bump stock, and I just looked it up. Gun Owners of America filed a petition for rid of uh, certiori, uh, the United States Supreme Court, challenging the BATF firearms uh, reclassification uh, as uh, machine guns for bump stocks. Uh, the uh, Gun Owners of America has been in litigation with ATF since the day the ban was published and was able to win a victory in U.S. Court of Appeals, the Sixth Circuit, later overturned uh, when uh, the 16 judges on that circuit split evenly between Gun Owners of America and ATF. So uh, they uh, have, you know, challenged it right up to the, to the Supreme Court. And I really hope the court hears this, uh, because, uh, Kelsey, if they can do this get away with it, then every rule and regulation they've got is arbitrary and capricious. They can change them at will. They can
2: redefine everything.
1: Which they do occasionally anyways.
2: They really really do, because we don't even talk about when it comes into getting audited on firearms records and the things that just get, I hate to use the word made up, but that's 100% what it is, Uh, things that aren't even in writing, let alone the things that they do change and put in writing, is just a... whoever is sitting in a chair in your division field office that's in charge just starts making rules. And that is 100% how it works. Now, do they send you like weekly or monthly updates on rules that they're changing?
1: Um, They tell us nothing. we do get
2: (laughs) get emails. Every once in a while you get a letter, but that's usually a big change that they'll actually mail you a letter. Yeah, or they'll say,
1: hey, we're changing the form again. You know, this is the new, like, institution date of when this form variation will go into effect. Whether they have the forms ready for us or not.
0: So That makes sense. (laughs) So,
2: Is there like a website that you can log into? Uh, Anybody can go uh, to their ATF website and they'll have the rule book, which is a PDF which is updated about every seven years but they'll also have some little blurps on there about some of the rules that they're talking about. The rules that would affect you. Um, Not necessarily the firearm industry rules. No. Um, We will sometimes get emails that will tell us they're changing, but normally it's when they come audit uh, that they bring up new desires, new rules, new things like that. Uh, New ways they want things, new considerations of what a make or model is. All that kind of stuff usually happens just based on who's sitting in front of you at the time. What happened with arm braces? They were good, then
0: Still they were good. bad, then they're good. Yeah. SIG then, fought
1: that hard. That was um God, that started years ago. And uh basically SIG brought out a AR pistol with a brace and ATF said, No, that's a stock and SIG said, No, it's not. You know, we can't we can't regulate how people use our product. If they misuse it, that's on them, not on us. And it just devolved into this mess but yeah we're fine braces are fine
2: and the last thing that came up was the whole if it doesn't have a strap it's not a brace attempt um by the atf but that that has gone nowhere since 2019 was the last time anything was published by the atf about that um talking about taking away the ones that didn't have straps but so
0: whether you have a strap or not yeah as of right now still still good to go Yeah. yeah but that may change at any minute if they have the ability to just Change these things at will. They do. Um, I was talking about this on the on the weekday show. Uh, there is a, a piece of legislation that uh, that uh, the downsized DC is supporting. In fact, we wrote it, uh, and it's called the Right the Laws Act. And what happens in Washington is they create a bureaucracy, EPA, BATF, uh, whoever, and they give them the ability. ...to write rules which are essentially laws... ...because you get punished if you violate them. And with the Right the Laws Act... ...they can't do that anymore. Every time somebody wants to write a rule... ...Congress has to vote on it. And you can imagine how challenging it would be... ...for all of these arbitrary changes in the law to pass... ...if Congress had to vote on every one. And it would also slow them down... ...because you've got all of those bureaucracies... With all of those rules, and if you know they got to wait until Congress votes on them, they wouldn't be, you know, they wouldn't be anywhere near as likely to pass. Uh, and I think that's what we have to do with BATF uh, when they start changing these rules. Congress has to vote on it, uh, and I think under those circumstances, we would probably save ourselves a lot of grief because all it takes is one bureaucrat somewhere in, in BATF to. Get a bug uh, and, and say, you know, we're going to make this illegal. We don't like the way it works or the way it looks. And you guys are, you know, stuck trying to, wean, you know, work your yep. way through it.
2: Yep, yep. Well, we don't want to antagonize them because, <laughs> after all. And I will say most of the auditors are delightful people. But they're just, they're <laughs> given they're given rules from the people that sit above them. And it just changes every time under... Sometimes under different administrations, obviously. Sometimes just under different bosses or just different people sitting in front of you. But it is pretty arbitrary how it, how it changes. Yeah, that's kind of a shame.
1: And they are willing to look stuff up, if we ask. I mean, they'll they'll absolutely, if you say, well, can you show me where it says this? They'll find it.
2: Because if it ain't written, it don't mean it. Yep. How many pages is that? Jeez. Uh, oh, <laughs> uh, it, it's about... About two inches thick. Let's call it that. On the printed paper. (laughs) Yeah. On the printed one, it's it's big because it also covers every state. Like all the different one, different regulations for every single state.
0: Wow. That, I would love to see the size of that thing.
2: Yeah. And Um, we're supposed to be completely familiar with it, so. You know all those hundreds of pages. I read it every night before I go to bed. That's why he's
1: got those dark circles. He just doesn't sleep. (laughs) Is that (laughs) what that was?
0: Yeah. Uh, I thought he was trying out for an owl or something. (laughs) Listen, uh. Missouri is uh, going to go after banks that go after the gun industry. We'll talk about that in a little while, probably about 25 minutes. But coming up, my favorite part of the program, where we introduce you to some firearms they've got for sale. And i got to tell you, they brought in one of my favorites. Yeah, we'll talk about it. Powderhorn Guns and Archery, I'm Gary Ungun.